All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, we have the co-owner of Cat and Cloud Coffee, Jared Truby. Now, Jared and I have connected before, talked nothing but about business. Today, we talk nothing but about coffee. I love coffee. He loves coffee, but I wanted to learn more about it. I wanted to understand the process. What's the difference between light, medium, dark? How does it get roasted? Where do I get it from? Etc. Etc. And I thought he was an excellent person to dive into this. My favorite thing about him and his company is that they actually send all their baristas, all of their, you know, the people that work at their organization all over the world to go identify the best coffee beans, to go network and create relationships directly with the farmers, bringing them back here to where their headquarters are out here in Santa Cruz, where you can go into their cafes or you can also order it online. I love this conversation. I hope you do as well. Before we dive into it, just a friendly reminder, if you've not checked out the NC Fit app, you got to go check it out. It's available on Apple. It should be available on Android, hopefully soon, but you guys got to go check this thing out. We have four daily workouts. We have on-demand. We have integrated music, and I hope you guys like it as much as I do. Let's dive into an incredible episode with Jared, and let's keep getting after it. Let's go. We just jumped on the phone and you said that you just got back from Honduras. And so talk me through that, man, because you're one of the unique people that I know who not only owns coffee shops, distributes coffee, but you're actually like boots on the ground visiting these locations. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, there's a couple things. I, I've been in coffee for 20 years and it took it took forever for me to finally get to a coffee origin region. And when I got there, uh, the first place I went was Costa Rica, and that was because I won a barista competition. And and I realized, oh man, we are we are missing a lot of this story. And so, you know, through owning my own business, it's become a passion of mine to make sure that people can tell the story of what that means to be at Origin, to see farmers and really connect with them with their own voice. So one part of this is, I mean, we've sent, I guess, nearly about 40 different people in our company to Coffee Origin regions. But me specifically going, I've invested all of my time, even though I've been to many other places in Honduras specifically. And that is because I want other people to share in this experience of connecting uh, this this global industry. So, I mean, Honduras is insane. Uh, I've got this guy, Benjamin, he's an exporter. He's a community builder there. And what it's like is essentially this little town called Peña Blanca on Lake Yohoa. It's in the north, basically north, really central part of all of Honduras. And right there is Santa Barbara Mountain, this huge mountain that just comes off of this lake. And maybe we can link pictures to this or something and, and you can kind of get a vibe on it. But this huge mountain holds some of the best coffee in all of Honduras. And like 20 years or so ago, people started to notice. And this guy, Ben Hameen, the son of this family who owns the mill, he started finding that there's specialty coffee on this mountain and he started connecting. So right around 2002 only, he started finding little cafes and companies in, in the States and around the world to buy these special coffees and it's consistently grown. And so part of this is like the kinship of he and I both caring a lot about community building. And then the other part is I'm working directly with an exporter. So most people, when they buy coffee, they buy it through an importer who is essentially acting as my role in Honduras. They're there creating their relationships. They're buying the coffee and they're selling it to third parties all over the world, right? So like say NC Fit buys coffee, you go to an importer, you find a coffee. That importer's got a relationship somewhere, they find a coffee for you, it's awesome. Here I go, 
and it'd be almost like finding the gym owner. I go, I go and find the Jason Kalipas and, and whatever, the Rich Fronings, all the people of the mountain who are not known very well yet and are growing this coffee that is insane. And they're so, these people are so, so poor. They work so hard. And if they, people like myself don't find them, they sell this coffee for this, at the sea market, which is, you know, pennies. So I find it and, and Ben Hameen finds it and we connect and we meet and we form these relationships. And then I, I buy directly and we, and we talk and we learn and we spend days together. And, uh, and, and, and it's just, it's evolved over time. We started a thing we can talk in a million about called the Best Friends Club. And that's led to some uh, extra income for some of these people. It's huge income, like gallbladder surgery income for some of them and, and, and life-changing income. So for me, it's a combination of investing, true investment, which is relationship. And then that combination of growing together. You know, I, I'll tell their story. They'll be proud will help, they'll grow, coffee will get better, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll, we'll keep feeding that relationship as, as, and almost treat it like a business of our, that's our business as well, even though it's absolutely their own to own. So you're going out in Honduras and I guess to kind of start this off, I'm drinking right now, uh, medium roast. Normally I go light roast. Sure. I'm drinking a medium roast that I did in an AeroPress. And so there are so many ways to consume coffee, right? And there are so many types of coffee. It can almost be overwhelming, right? You have espresso, you have AeroPress, pour over, and probably 5,000 other ways of consuming coffee. Um, for you, I guess to kind of start here, there's light, medium, and dark. Is that the main three? And then what are the differences between light, medium, and dark roast, aside from duration of roast? I mean, or is it really just how long it's being roasted for? Is that really the main difference? Uh, there is so, so, so much in that question. The simplest way to, to, to break it down for, for people who don't know is, is easy way to do it, right? That's why you hear the terms light, medium, dark, but, and that's the easiest way to sell the coffee as well. People even sell it as quote unquote, an espresso roast. And, and that's kind of a misnomer as well. There is infinite detail to what you just said. Uh, there's time, there's how you bring the coffee to temperature. There is, if you were to think about like seeing the temperature change on a roast curve, right? You put it in, it gets colder to a bottom and then it heats up. The way you heat it up and the amount of air you give it and the amount of time in that process of when you give it air, et cetera, et cetera all changes the flavor. So you could have a coffee, uh, and this is what I love. This is what I've been going absolutely ham on in our roastery. You can have a coffee that's dark enough to hold cream without being sour, but can have some of those light coffee characteristics if you went really, really fast, really, really hot. And the reason being is if you think about like searing a well-done steak, right? The outside is like charred, but the inside is just juicy and moist. The same thing can be with coffee. The inside can still have that green, juicy, acidic, all that. And you can develop sugars, you can develop flavors, you can mess with all that. It's psychotic. And I am, I'm going to help put out some of the best coffee in the world because I'm obsessed with that. Dude. But Simply put, yes, light, medium, dark is the way to look at it because it's the way that everybody communicates, right? You need a common language. So that's the easiest way. And so within that, um, I used to be like a dark rose guy, right? And then like kind of like this old school, like French rose, Italian rose, kind of like the darker tones. And then I got introduced to, at, at first it was Verve, right? And sure. Cat and Cloud, uh, Verve and Cat and Cloud, uh, a lot of you guys are doing this single origin. So, so what is the difference between a... 
and, and, and well, well, actually before I get to single origin, you have light, medium and dark roast. Within the light roast, there's this newfound, um, I like to equate it almost like there's IPA beers and there's like Coors Light. And they're not better or worse, they're just completely different flavor profiles. And so in coffee, I feel like you have something similar. And in these light roasts, you start getting like these more floral tones and almost like a completely different flavor profile. So is that just like a new modern thing that people are coming out with? Or has that been around forever? Does no one really talk about it? Absolutely. It's that. The coffee's already and always had this inherent quality. What happened is that everybody wanted the coffee, French roast, dark roast, Italian style. No, nothing wrong with that. You're totally right. Uh, for me, right? If somebody buys high quality coffee and roasts the crap out of it and you can't taste that stuff, that's fine. You still did justice to the buying process. But you are absolutely right. If somebody takes a single origin coffee and knows how to highlight those roasts and, and bring out what's in there, you can have yourself a really nuanced and amazing experience that otherwise is absolutely lost on coffees like Starbucks and Pete's because they've they've essentially founded their whole company on that flavor profile. And if they change it, which they're slowly trying to do with blonde roast, people, people aren't really comfortable with that flavor. Right. So it's always been there. The thing about specialty coffee, this third wave movement that we've done and, and I helped start at Verve. It's great. I was there from the beginning. Uh, there it's just following and seeing what's in there and, and trying to find ways to bring it out. And that's where we've consistently progressed through roasting, sourcing and all the different things you can do at origin that make sure the coffee is of the highest quality before it comes that and that's not even talking about varieties of coffee you know you've heard the term geisha maybe have you heard that yeah 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 so that's just like a, a rare harder to grow plant but it uniquely has just really exciting flavor flavor characteristics and for those who don't know all that is is if you were to talk about all the different kinds of apples you know they all taste different granny smith fiji whatever honey crisp they all taste different geisha is one you might have heard of bourbon etc in coffee but geisha is one that inherently has like a really unique flavor profile. Um, and that's no matter where it's grown, it kind of stands out from the rest. So it's always been there. It's just not, people haven't spent the time and the money because coffee is relatively cheap in consideration compared to wine. It's, it's similar to beer, even beer is kind of outpacing it now. Uh, but that's cause you know, beer and, and wine and all those things are good. They're good relaxers. Coffee's like, it's overlooked because it's the thing that brings us all to life but it's, it's kind of overlooked because it's such a commodity. So if you wanted to, you know, get introduced to this new breed, and I'm really looking at it as like a new revival. So like you take like beer, you have these um, new like IPAs or like hazy IPAs. Or, mm -hmm. or a lot of people are seeing these new type of beers come around that weren't there before, right? You had like the Belgium ale, you know, you had like, yep. but now you're starting to see these double IPAs and these type of things. Looking at coffee in a similar fashion, you had a certain taste profile that lasted for generations or whatever it was. Now you're seeing this newfound light roast. Some people drink it like my wife and like, oh, this is terrible. Some people start to love it like I do. Is there a different way? So do people, when they look at a single origin, what is the difference between the single origin necessarily bring that newfound like um, floralness versus like a one that's com combined? Is that, is that a big difference there? You, well, it, again, it all comes to roast profile. So I, I've done a lot of work in putting together a blend that tastes amazing. So we have a blend called The Truth, and it is a light roasted blend specifically to address what you're talking about so that people can say, oh, it's not only the single origin, it is the coffees you pick. There's a regional characteristic. So if you want a coffee specifically for you, that's like you want to find florals, you want to drink Ethiopian coffee, most likely from Yirgacheff or somewhere like that. Uh, if you see, you know, anything from Ethiopia, 
uh, you're most likely going to notice more florals than elsewhere. Same with the geisha coffee. It's going to have a lot of florals. Uh, and then other places that tend to have them in the background and the nuance are places like uh, Panama, Costa Rica a little bit, and, and Honduras. And, and there's more, obviously, everywhere. But those styles and qualities are all brought out in how you roast and how you develop this coffee. And what you can do is, you said your wife doesn't like them a lot of the time. Oftentimes, people roast them really, really light. And that's to ensure that it's obvious. Those flavors are obvious. There's things that we do in some of our other coffees, some of our single origins and some of our blends where we, we try to find that balance where you can have both ends so that somebody like your wife might be able to enter the market and be like, oh, you know what? That one's not as crazy as so-and-so's. That one's kind of, I get it a little bit, you know? And so we try to bridge those gaps because I, I want people getting sucked into where you're sucked into. So the, the beans that come from like Ethiopia and whatnot, these single origin, Starbucks and Phil and Pete's or whatever, they're sure. all kind of getting beans from similar places, but they're roasting them differently. Is that the big difference between like a more floral is kind of like, for lack of a better term, like a light floral roast uh, that's kind of like West Coast. That's what I think about it versus like the way like a Starbucks or a, or a Pete's would actually get the similar beans. They just roast it differently. Is that the main difference or is it actually what actual like place they're getting it from within Ethiopia? I would, I would say a little bit of both. And here's why. Uh, absolutely the roast, hands down. The other part is because they're so, so, so huge. Farm, oftentimes farmers don't produce that much coffee, right? It's smaller, smaller lots. So what they end up doing and a lot of big companies have to do is they have to have, find a bunch of small coffees and they call them like day lots. Or they use a bunch of different terms and they blend them all together. They buy, you know, whatever, 100 pounds here, 500, 1,000, 10,000. And they put them all into one coffee name. So you'll hear like a generalized name uh, and we'll, we'll have to do that with coffees like the answer. So you have to look for flavor profiles that you put together to ensure that the coffee remains away. So for us, I, I want to get away from some of that in some of the areas. So I have a coffee called the truth. It's always going to be our single or our espresso. If you get an espresso by itself and it's available to buy, but that coffee is going to consistently change coffees. I'll tell you what is in it. I'll tell everybody what's in it. I'll tell you why we roasted it, how we roasted it, what it's going to taste like, but it'll consistently change so that we can avoid having to in the future as we grow, you know, buy a bunch of different company or coffee farmers coffee and then blending it together and calling it La Tortuga. Yeah. And so whether it's Ethiopia or Honduras, like you were just at, what is the coffee roasting, or excuse me, not the roasting. What does a coffee growing process look like? Because, you know, I live near Napa Valley, right? And so I'm very familiar with rows and rows and rows of, of vineyards. Is that kind of the way it is in these areas where there's just giant just like coffee plantation like what is that what is that like and then how yeah. do you service it so i mean in honduras where i go it's smaller but yes it's essentially like that like you'll drive up a mountain and you'll start getting to the, the lowest elevation where coffee grows and you'll be like there's one there's one there's one it's just everywhere and it is sort of like that lines of plants the the higher quality ones have you know you're in a third world country have no trash they're clean uh they but everything's manual so it is similar to the Napa Valley in that way. You get up to the hills and it's just beautiful. It's tropical. The difference is everything is by hand. So they walk, they don't water. It's all natural. They will naturally um, fertilize if they have the money or they'll pull all the roots and dig up things and like plant around, around their plants. Uh, and what happens every year, one pound of coffee per plant. So that's a huge deal. Every time you see a bag of coffee, that's one whole plant. It's entire year of work. So there's a lot riding on this for small farmers, which is why this is so important to me. Uh, what they do is 
you know, there's a pruning process, there's a fertilizing process, and then they, they check, they consistently check. The coffee will ripen at multiple times a year. Then they hire pickers slowly, but surely they'll come pick and then they sort, they do this whole fermentation process. So the cherries, coffee's a cherry on a tree. Yeah. So you imagine it's going, you know, you could literally picture a cherry tree for the sake of today. If you were to pick that cherry inside is a pit and inside of the coffee cherry is the coffee beans. So what they do is they take those cherries and they put them into what is called a fermentation tank. This is the, this is the wash process. It's the simplest one to explain in the context of how it works. They put them in the, a tank full of water, get them all clean, and it helps the fruit kind of come loose. And then they depulp it, get all the pulp off of the coffee seed in the middle. So they put it through this little depulper thing. It's like a cheese grater sluice. They spin it, drop it through. And out comes a little coffee seed with a tiny, tiny bit of fruit on it. And what they do after that is they go and they dry it and then they put it through a holer and it pulls off everything else. And what you're left with is essentially, well, and then they dry it. But what you're left is essentially a little bit of coffee and a little bit of parchment. And then at least in Honduras, and they take it to Benjamin, who is our exporter there. And he buys it from them, tastes it. And I taste it and then we calibrate our scores and, and pay based on quality of cup and send it out. It's almost like, have you ever seen that show uh, on Discovery Channel where like they go uh, tuna, tuna fishing? Oh I, yeah. I've ever seen uh, I, uh, Wicked Tuna. And yeah. they go, they catch a tuna and then they come back and there's a gentleman there who looks at the fat content, whatever. So you're evaluating based on that, you, you look at the cost. But when you're like, so if you're right there in the moment, you have these brand new green beans, you roast them in like a well, a hand roaster. Is that what you do? There's a little small one, like a one pounder. No, yeah, it's like a hand. It's a hand roaster, but it's got a flame and everything. It's it's simple, but it's two, two, three, four barrel roaster, super small. And then boom, right there. And then you roast it. You and then now, if you're there trying to check out the flavor for coffee, you're gonna be selling to thousands of people. What um, what method do you use to actually test it right there? Do you do pour over? Do you do air, what do you do? So it's called it's called a cupping, and it's essentially the wine tasting of coffee. So they take bowls of little tiny like seven ounce bowls of coffee and they're dry at the time they set them all around the table blind you don't know what they are and you go and you go through and they grind it you smell it and you you write down your notes then they pour the water in and start the brewing process you smell it while it's brewing so there's a lot like of coffee floating style, on top right no like literally pour the well pour water in a cup with ground coffee so it floats to the top literally if you, you it's yeah so it's sitting there, you smell it there. And then what they do is you, you take a spoon and you call it breaking the crust. So you break the crust. Coffee has over 800 volatile aromatics. You compare that to wine, wine's sitting around 200 plus. So coffee is one of the most complex beverages in the world. Uh, so you're in there, you do that part, you skim all the coffee that's on the top off, the rest of it sinks to the bottom and you begin like a 30 to 40 minute tasting process where you take a little uh, soup spoon and you slurp the coffee, aspirate it all over your tongue and you taste it from the hottest to the coldest and you average out the flavors, you calibrate, you talk about each coffee individually and then there's a big reveal. How did the coffee score? And that is where the meat in the potatoes is. And it, this year, one of my favorite farmers decided to show up as Damien Chavez and he's like, he's a friend, but he decided to show up at the day when we were tasting his coffee and I was so nervous that his coffee wasn't going to taste as good because that'd be oh, just yeah. the worst to talk oh, about yeah. it right in front gotta, of him. You got to actually rate it right there. I mean, you can't right like, in front of him. 
Oh. And you don't you don't know what it is until afterwards. So you're like, it scored a 87 and a half, which is a good score. Uh, the score is 85 and up. 85 is like the low end of high. Uh, and, and you're not really going to go over 91. Uh, but yeah, so his, his coffee hit like an 87 and a half. And then they flip the card and it's like, Damien Chavez. I'm like, oh shit, thank you. <laughs> and so when it comes to that, is there like a, is there like a um, qualification process? Because basically what you're saying, I look at you almost like a coffee sommelier for lack of a better term, because I imagine you could taste the roast, like the one I have right here in my hand. You could probably tell me roughly, or I, I guess I'm asking this question, roughly what region it comes from and what type of roast it is. Could you, is that kind of the way coffee works? Similar to Gen- Generally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I, we actually just did this game called Leaderboard and we submitted a coffee and it's essentially that. Like they send you 10 coffees, you don't know what they are or anything, and then they give you a guessing list and you do it. And uh, it's really hard. I think the highest score this year was like 82 and it's from like the world champion. I, I scored a 77 on, on the thing. So yes, it's essentially that like roast variety region, subregion if you wanted to. So in Honduras, you know, there's multiple regions of the country. It's similar, really similar to Somalia. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, just one more question on this. I'm really curious. So the boom, the beans get there, you roast them or you grind them, you roast them, boom, boom. I imagine just from like a sensory overload perspective it's probably such a beautiful experience because you have all these dudes or people sitting at a table sniff you know smelling coffee but when you pour the hot water right into a cup i mean i imagine you're going to get some grinds with your coffee like or i mean i I, do you like how does that like yeah yeah no no no, i feel you it it does at the beginning it floats so you you smell it dry you pour the water in a lot like a third of it floats to the top when you break the crust, though, at the very at the very beginning of the actual, right before you taste the coffee and you smell all the aromatics coming out, most of it sinks to the bottom. What you do is you take two spoons and you skim across the top and you pull off all the grounds. Oh. So you're getting clean coffee all the way down to a point, and then you just stop. Huh? See, yeah. that is that is brand new. I had no idea that existed. Yeah, that's, that's really how cool. the Global Coffee Expo and everybody in the world tastes and scores their coffee before it comes to your table. I love it. And so I had a question for you that came in actually through social media. What's the best pour over ratio grams of water to coffee? That's a beautiful question. Uh, my personal favorite, this, this can change with roast profile, but I'm a one to 16.5. So if you were to do that math to make it really simple for somebody, I'm just going to pull out my phone. Cause I'm, I, I get in my head with these things. If you were to take 20 grams of coffee, which is approximately enough to do a, a cup of coffee and you multiply that by 16.5, you're going to get 330 grams of water. So that's essentially what you do is you take 20 grams of coffee, ground, you put it in your pour over. In a perfect world, you have a scale. You set all that on your cup, on a scale, you zero out your scale, and then you slowly but surely, concentric circles, 330 grams of water. It should take around two, two and a half minutes for you to do that with and then needle, let it drip out. With one out. of those uh, goose nose or whatever you call the Sure. Yeah. Perfect world. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't, yeah, I try to help people to, to simplify it, right. You go, Oh, what is all that? And it's like, if you need to take all this, like an ounce of water is roughly 30 grams, uh, in weight. So you could kind of do this math at home, which is what I try to do to help my dad and people who don't want to buy the scale and buy the whole kit and caboodle. So to take that little knowledge from you, 30 grams is the weight of approximately one ounce of water. If you need to do this math and if you can get 20 ounces, 20, I'm sorry, grams of coffee, that's like give or take two and a half heavy tablespoons or teaspoon sorry i always do that too add man it gets me and and so the 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 pour over i mean i i love a good pour over i've been getting press a lot lately um for someone who 
doesn't even know what we're talking about, right? So you have, I have a Breville espresso machine. It's like a good, like for a home use, it's, it's good, right? It's good. Um, it's good. Uh, and, you know, you obviously got to learn how to pack it and that kind of stuff, which you're superior to me at that, of course. But for people, when it comes to um, at-home coffee, like what is like the, your go-to? Is it the pour over you just spoke about or is it something else that I don't know about? I'll make it, I mean, simple for people. I'm actually the Breville uh what's it called the precision brewer that's what i will use most of my days i get up you can preset everything so you can set the temp you can set the the amount of like the slow brewing process you can set the pre-infusion time kind of like your espresso machine but if you just want a good cup of coffee it's got multiple inserts so you could do like the pour over style you can do a gold cone and you can do like a bigger one for a group and and that's that for me most of the days i get up it's already programmed for me i weigh out my coffee precision brewer Breville Pre- Precision Brewer. Okay, cool. It's awesome. And I mean, you can Breville. do the rest. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, no, you're right. You're on it, dude. Their espresso machines are sick. The high end ones are baller from them. But I mean, if I were just going to, you know, do my thing, here's the thing. All the pour overs are the same idea. It's hot water going through a cone of coffee or a cylinder of coffee, whatever the shape is. It's the same thing. So if you can get your ratios right, the thing you need, people need to do is not, the water needs to be as hot as possible, straight off the boiler. Don't let that's, it wait. You're as hot as possible. Cause I, I set mine, like I, I want to, I have a fellow one and I can say, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I think it's like 198 degrees. Go hotter. As hot as possible. Okay. It should go to, I mean, it should go as close to 212, 20, maybe eight is where someone will stop because 212 is boiling. But if you can pull it straight off the boiler and in there, you're going to get the best quality coffee. We did the we did the science on this. My my business partner Chris Baca and myself, the the pour from where it gets off the boil and drops into your cup is like over ten degrees. So people are like, oh, you're gonna burn your coffee if you do it too hot. It's like it's it's literally impossible. You can't you can't do it for as a human being unless you're somehow boiling the coffee like steaming the actual coffee. It's not it's not gonna happen. So that's my other advice to everyone is. Get your water as hot as possible. It'll pull out the most flavor from your coffee. And so if you got your fellow brewer, just turn it up as hot as it'll go. It should, I mean, you might be measuring and it's not C at 198, but yeah, go, I gotta, go hot. I got look, to look at what it is. Just get it hot. You're good. It'll and, taste and then, better. And then how big of a difference? So then this is another question. How big of a difference? So I normally grind my coffee right before I do a pour over. Does that really make a big difference or, and if so, how long does coffee last for Um so let's just say I go to the store and, or I buy from your, from your company, I buy, let's just say a, a pound of beans or whatnot. How often do you recommend to buy coffee and should I buy in bulk or does it go bad? What's the shelf life and should I grind it right before or can I get a pre-ground? I mean, are these, are these even big factors or am I just making them a big deal? No, they, they all play, but they all play differently. Okay, let's start. Let's just start with shelf life. Coffee will last longer than you think as long as you keep it sealed and you keep it out of the heat. So uh, if you, if you want to freeze your coffee, that's actually fine. Just make sure it's actually sealed. What it'll do is it'll take on the flavor of the freezer. So whatever there, that's, wow. that's all, all good there. Uh, if you have a crappy grinder, it's probably better that you get your coffee ground at the cafe because they usually have awesome grinders. So what I do is, is I take, I drink all the, best coffee at my cafes and then I drink coffee at home like everybody who doesn't have anything to give with the exception of a scale and I guess the brewer but I I just drink it like I do so I drink it with tap water just to see I want to make sure our coffee tastes good 
to like the simplest of users as the best. So I grind my coffee at work and it for sure tastes fantastic a month out. If it absolutely does. If you are a mega connoisseur, you might be able to taste the difference, but I would wager it's less than you might imagine. And so that's, that's where I'd be at. If I was you and I loved it, I would grind it immediately right before I brew it. And I wouldn't use the coffee too fresh. It needs to be at least five days off of roast. And most likely it's not even going to taste its best until at least 14 days out. Coffee's degassing. It's got a bunch of carbon. Carbon doesn't taste good. So people are, people are thinking fresher is better. And that's absolutely a great sales tactic for all of us coffee people because it gets you to buy coffees more. It has to be fresh. The truth is my, the best tasting coffee is 14 to 30 days old. And then after 30 days, it starts to kind of slowly teeter. But Two months, gone. Store, yeah, so if you were to buy it from a store, you just got to be aware of the roast date. And so yeah. you want the roast date to be somewhere between that 14-day give or take so you can go home and actually drink it. But if you bought too big of a bag, you might end up going past your third. So it's, I get what you're saying, though. Like, it's not, after 30 days, it's not going to go completely to garbage, but you want to try and get it somewhere in that 14 to 30-day range. Or yeah. Yeah, but even you saying that right there, some people are like, what? That's so old. And I'm like, yes, tell the world, no, that's not old at all. That is prime. So many people are like, this coffee was roasted four days ago. I'm not going to buy it. I'm like, right. Okay. It's not even good yet. <laughs> it's not even good yet. And yeah. so that's, that's really, that's, that's super interesting. And so um, good perspective there. I have tried roasting um, many times. I've tried a hand roaster. I've tried um, the, the, the one that has like the fan and I can't remember the name of it. Um, I got to look at the name of mine, but when it comes, is it to a hot food, top or something? No, it wouldn't be a hot uh, top. Hucky. Uh, oh, it's whatever. I, I got to look at the, um, like anyways, it's, 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 um, like a good at home roaster, but it has not been as easy as I thought. You know, I thought, Oh, you just press some buttons. You set the fan speed, the temperature speed and um, the duration, but it hasn't been that easy. And so if someone is interested in roasting at home, What's the initial, because you're getting these beans from Honduras green. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. You bring them back to California and you actually roast them here. Is that the way it goes? Absolutely. And how long can green beans stay for? I mean, those, those are sealed. The, the better versions are sealed in the stuff called Grain Pro. So it's, it's air restricted. It's like, a, it's like a military grade, one-way breathable, biodegradable packaging. So weirdly so it can like off gas but it won't bring anything in and it's waterproof it'll last i mean you'll start to see some coffees this is all dependent on where and how the processing all that stuff i was talking about before it'll start to lose its flavor like eight nine months after it's picked some some can last over a year it really kind of just depends on the quality of the coffee etc uh roasting is if you wanted to be a home roaster and you wanted to kind of do your best to make it this is hard right popcorn roasters are there's no way to get them like faster than six minute roast that's too short you're gonna have really tangy crazy coffee or it's gonna be burnt if you have the opportunity to take a roast and make it at least nine minutes long up to 12 minutes long and if you have the option with fan speed and all that stuff to give it no air at the beginning and more air later in the roast that's how you're gonna clear smoke right so but the beginning of the roast you kind of want it stewing think about like sweating onions or something they get sweeter they just develop, they develop all those sugars. That's all like the first two thirds of the roast. Then it gets to kind of a part where there's a smoke point. And if you don't want your coffee to taste smoky, that smoke's got to go somewhere. So that's where the fan comes into play. We're I'm breaking this down pretty simply, but that's where the fan sucks smoke away. Get that smoke off me so that I can just taste really good and caramelize all this sugar even more and bring out all that 
nuance. And I don't want all this smoke imparted. I want it out of the drum or whatever you're roasting it. Yeah. So that's, that's, if you can get it to that point and have the air sucking the smoke out of there, there's this thing called first crack, which I'm sure you've experienced. Yes. The coffee starts cracking. Yes. It is not so, easy to seem. So I have a fresh roast SR540 roaster. That's what I Okay. Have. Okay. I've never played with one of those. It'd be fun. And it is not as easy. So I, I was reading online and looking at YouTube. It's like, oh, first crack, second crack. I'm like, oh, okay, this seems simple enough. No, absolutely not. It's not <laughs> no. And to, to evenly roast coffee is very difficult, um, at least from my experience. And so mm -hmm. the, the roasting process is like a whole nother game to people who are interested in coffee. Is that kind of way you look at it? Oh, it's a whole crap in and of itself. Absolutely. Okay, so I probably got, went in over my head because I'm yet to make coffee. Now, while I have you here, if if I don't roast it long enough and I roast green coffee and I brew it, could I get sick from that? Like, no, no, because it's still getting so hot in there. It's not that. It's just going to be sour. It's going to have more acidity. It's going to have more of those things that uh, people with people. It'll affect your gut biome, not in a negative way per se, but oftentimes people talk about coffee affecting them, them negatively and it really might have more to do with the gut biome than it does actually like the caffeine in the body because the gut brain connection is super real i know you know yeah. this stuff being in fitness and nutrition so really what happens is a lot of people are just sensitive and it can it can just mess with your gut biome a little bit if you drink too much coffee some people might find themselves if they work on their gut biome they might find themselves less uh, symptomatic and, and, and on edge because of coffee, which is just something of note, but, uh, no, you will not get sick. Sorry. I just tangent it on you. Uh, no, you won't get sick. It just won't taste on as good. On that note though. So I think some people that drink coffee, uh, get jittery. Some people have different issues from coffee. Is it because their just body isn't reacting well to it? Everybody's different. Or is it maybe they need to find the right roast, the right bean? Have you seen with your, I mean, you have a wide audience, right? You own multiple stores. You, you, get, you get a lot of information from a lot of people. Have you found that people who react negatively, whether they get jittery, they get whatever, is it a byproduct of maybe not eating, uh, not hydrating enough, or is it actually a bean that they maybe need? What, at a high level, what are your thoughts there? Absolutely. This, I mean, the simplest thing to do is notice that every, everybody's different and they need to pay attention to what they are or are not doing for themselves. So yes, did you get enough rest? Are you drinking water? Have you had food? Those are all affecting you. All, all coffee does is it releases this thing, this, this chemical that blocks adenosine and adenosine is as a calming, it's, it's one of the calming things for your mind. So if you don't eat for an extended period of time, your body will naturally re release cortisol. It's going to happen. That's just what happens. So if you couple that with coffee and then your calming chemical adenosine is not helping to calm that, you've got cortisol plus like bouncing off uh, the adenosine is just bouncing back and it's all living in your brain. It's not being absorbed in your body. So you've got a, essentially like a two-factor attack on your relaxation. And so you've got to get good with your, your vagal tone and all that stuff. If you can do some breathing, calm down, squeeze your stomach, do some breath hold, some of that stuff, nasal breathing, all that'll help. But yes, sim simply put, it's, it's mostly that stuff. And then humans are humans, right? So some people do have anxiety. Some people do have all this. So I'm not trying to negate that, but there is a lot more than saying coffee just affects me negatively. It could be just like the same way. <laughs> beer or, or soda or sugar or anything affects you negatively. There's, there's a lot of other things at play. It's not the coffee, it's the combo. 
So I would, you know, maybe just don't drink coffee on an empty stomach. Eat some food first. There you go. Simple. And, and when it comes to coffee, for someone who's just trying to get into it, uh, where do they start? Light, medium, dark roast. Uh, Woo, with sugar, baby. With sugar, with cream. How much does sugar... Oat milk. I mean, like there is so much shit you could put in your coffee, right? Let's be serious. You got all different types of sugars, right? From, I mean, you name it, right? Yeah. Then you have all different types of dairy products or non-dairy creamers, right? Like oat milk, et cetera. And so if you're new to coffee, do you recommend, yeah, where do you start? And then I have a question for you. I mean, if you want the most straightforward answer, how did anybody even start? You didn't like beer the first time you tasted it. You didn't like wine the first. Nobody did, but they decided for some reason, let's keep doing this, right. <laughs> you know? So like the truth is, is you need to find a trusted source who you know is, is buying good coffee at quality and they care about what they're doing. Try me, try my company. That'd be cool. But if you don't, there's a lot of other great ones out there and then stick with it. There are many different regions. Some you'll like more than others. Try them, try them, try them all. You'll start to notice that you'll, if you, if you really wanted to get into coffee, you'll start to notice the difference. And it is the most healthy way to do drink coffee is to drink it black. It's, it's some of the best ways to get our antioxidants. There's tons of them in there. Dude, I love it. And so, you know, it's funny, my, my, uh, I have a family member and she used to love like the, uh, mocha frappuccinos from Starbucks. Love them. And eventually one day I remember she came to me and she's like, Hey, you know, I want to lose weight a little bit. I was like, you know, a good place to start is removing some of this excess sugar from beverages, right? Like, um, that's a really easy way to kind of get started. Um, so does this kind of stuff. So I had her start doing an Americana with heavy cream in it. It was a nice way for her to feel like the kind of decadence, like it's kind of like decadent and whatnot. And then eventually now we got her down to pretty much like straight up black coffee. It just took her some time. Have you seen that same thing where people like kind of over time, they actually become more coffee purists when in the beginning they need like something to make it taste good or, or taste good to them at that time? Oh, absolutely. I, there's this, I mean, one of, one of the success stories of all success stories is this guy named Reezy Reese, Resells. He's pretty famous on the internet. He's a local Santa Cruz guy. Before he got famous, he lived across the street. His daughter was like five years old. He'd come across and he was, he was working at the skate shop and flipping skateboard decks and doing all this stuff for the community, selling books. And he would drink literally six 16-ounce coffees with this much coffee, this much cream and sugar. But we like created... Half half. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 half and half. Sorry. Yep, both, actually. And... Uh, or, he, no, I mean like half, half coffee, half oh, yeah, other yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just like sugar with coffee and cream. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he you know, six months, a year later, I'm drinking espresso, I'm drinking it straight. And, and he goes, what's up with this style of coffee? And you give him his first espresso and he's like, what? Yeah. Oh, this Bitter, is disgusting, yeah. right? Yeah. But that trust and that camaraderie, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to order one of those every day because you're the professionals and some, somewhat, you like it. I don't know why, but I'm going to figure it out. Now he's the guy with the espresso. He's, he's like you at home, like everything dialed, perfect evangelist dude for cat and cloud and us like the guy and and his daughter now works for me she's one of our uh, she's turning 21 he got married at 15 by the way it's a crazy story she's 21 i sent her to brazil she bought coffee for us it's like the coolest thing for me ever and she's one of the best team members we have absolute baller and i and just gets it because she's seen me 
since she was five years old do this thing and she's she's in so it's it's real and it's happening dude so you've sent 40 team members all over the world for coffee right absolutely um, and your favorite place is honduras me personally and that's that is yep i'm just connected there something happened to me i just it happened people feel it though in guatemala and way tenango they've had some great times in colombia costa Rica. i mean everybody's got their thing but for me honduras is my spot now if you're in the u.s or you know in california like we are um is there a place where you can go locally or not really i mean maybe not locally but to buy coffee yeah no to like go actually see it grown or at least in the u.s is there any is there any good coffee areas in the u.s i mean uh the good's gonna be relative but the people doing the best they changed their name so you'll have to look it up but it used to be called goodland farms and i've been there it's in the Santa Barbara mountains, just near Goleta actually. And up there, there's enough of an interesting microclimate that they're growing a bunch of tropical fruits, avocado, like dragon fruit and all these things. Uh, those finger limes, if you ever had them and they, and they grow coffee and they grow geisha coffee. I believe blue bottle bought some. The thing is California, America, right? It costs a lot to do everything. So the coffee coming out of there is insanely expensive, but if you want to see coffee farms, you can go to Hawaii and you can also go to uh, that good land farm in California. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, look, I think there's so much to unpack in coffee. There's so many different varietals. There's so many different ways to do it. I like what you're saying though, about, um, you know, kind of when you go into, so if someone wanted to go and they wanted to pick up some coffee from your store, right. They go to cat and cloud, they go, they go online, they order it. They could order it whole bean. Right. Um, how would they then, if they didn't have a grinder, do you guys also offer grinded? Oh, absolutely. And you can even order it online ground. You could order it online ground boom they come in and if they just have like a regular like coffee pot just roll with that and give it a shot i mean absolutely yeah i mean you get it ground by us you know we're going to get you there that's that's the thing too right if your coffee is ground too fine or too coarse you're going to experience something because of that whether it's too bitter or too sour that could happen it's it's there's you have a little more wiggle room there but if you go too far in one direction or the other you're going to mess up your coffee so really it makes a big difference actually so like if you were doing french because i've seen it online where it's like oh french press needs to be a little bit more coarse this one because of the way you're you're brewing but it could make a big difference the way you're saying yeah your experience could definitely change and so if if you're not absolutely confident have us grind it first and then just kind of match it you know go maybe get two bags that'd be cool one whole bean one not and then you can kind of match it uh we've we've done as as much as like send you home with a little tiny bit of ground coffee so you can kind of like match the grind setting dude i love it well bro for people who aren't in the bay area who want to check out what you have going on first off thanks for the time talking coffee like i didn't know like one of the biggest things i mean and i'm really into coffee but i had no idea that there's guys like you all over the world who sit there and do like the break the thing with the, with the I can just see you man with two little spoons just breaking it and take a little sip and like and then but you don't spit it out you actually slurp you oh you do both no you got to take care of yourself if you're doing 40 cups my dude you don't want to get too deep Bro, in the you're weed just lit up you're just <laughs> yeah there's not a crossfit gym close enough <laughs> there's no <laughs> exercise yeah, get it all out um, yeah and so if people want to order some of your beans and I think, like I said, your story is super authentic. You, your, your boots on the ground making it happen. So if, if the coffee from you isn't good, I don't have to tell you because you're, you're there making it happen. So what's the best way for people to order it? Um, obviously, they can go to your stores in Santa Cruz area um, or they can order it online. Where do they go? Yeah, go to catandcloud.com and you can, you can check me out and follow it. Jared underscore Truby at all the Instagram, the BitCloud, all that stuff. <laughs> and, and so the, the Cat and Cloud... We talked about this before, but you guys started this like 
How many years ago did you guys start the company? We'll be five. Well, so brick and mortar will be five years old, October, last, last day of September. Uh, we launched our online store. Uh, that'll be, I guess, six years. So we oh. did that beforehand. I love it, man. And today is a big day here in California. It's June 15th. Uh, masks are officially not mandated. And uh, dude, I hope your stores are crushing it. And um, yeah, man, thanks again for taking the time to talk about coffee. I could talk about this stuff all day and really appreciate you educating me and uh, educating our listeners. Yeah, when I get down your way, we'll, we'll, we'll kick it. We'll get some coffee. <laughs>